Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 79, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined alongside by Stephen Glick and our executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and CHF. Uh, it was an exciting weekend all around. Glick, we'll throw it over to you first. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just some news outside of hockey. I've recently accepted a big boy job for after college, so I'm very excited to get that weight off my shoulders. The boys didn't have any games this past weekend, but we were just took that rest and we're excited to play against Rutgers and Westchester. Herm, uh, where are you heading after college and, and what is the role? Glick, not Herm. Oh, <laughs> I need to take a deep breath. Deep breath. Long day. It's going to be a long episode. I got to take a deep breath and regroup here. Glick, where are you heading after school is over? Fortunately, I do get the opportunity to stay closer to home. I'll be working with Munich Re, which is a German reinsurance company, and I'll be working as an underwriter. Kind of, It's a little rotational program the first two years, but I'll, I'll mainly be doing underwriting. And hopefully after that two years, I'll get a full-time underwriting role. So I'm very excited to uh, start my career. In terms of like mailing it in as a senior, is it setting in now that like you have a job lined up? My future employer's listen to this no of course i still care about my schooling everyone else yeah no i'll be honest definitely not putting in the same amount of effort as i was before i got that job offer but i feel like that's just kind of universal senior year is just always so tough you know realistically as long as you get that degree you're all good to go again i'm trying to learn as, as much as i can so if munich is listening my roommate zarb has a, a job lined up with amazon and he found out like the second week of school i'm like in my room like studying every night up late and like he He's just playing Call of Duty in the living room, and I'm like, must be nice. Uh, Herm, how are things over in Utica? Glad that you know who I am. Things are good. <laughs> Click, for the record, just spit out his water. We got Veterans Day coming up this Friday. Big, big game against Laval, especially given our history against Laval. If you know, you know. That's going to be a whole spectacle. The odd is going to be completely sold out for that. It's been a lot of work this week making sure that preparations are in order for that and making sure that the Nexus Center launch is going off without a hitch. There is a beautiful, beautiful three-sheet ice facility that is directly connected to the odd next door that is going to house the Utica Junior Comets who play NCDC in Premier. It's going to house the, the practice field for UCFC, Utica City FC or indoor soccer team, and Utica University women's hockey. It is one of the brightest rinks I've ever shot in. Brand spanking new. Was just there for the first game ever <laughs> at the facility, and it was a, an absolute blast. And you made the trip out to Syracuse on Sunday. Uh, we got the split over NYU on alumni weekend, which is always great. As a senior, I was able to MC the event. We had, honestly, over 60 alums come back to campus for our annual uh, Hall of Fame ceremony alumni event. You know, it was great seeing everyone at the game on Saturday night. Uh, had to play Saturday, Sunday this week because our women's team was also home, which was kind of a bummer. All in all, it was a good weekend. Uh, we didn't, you know, play our best hockey for the first two periods on Saturday night, and that kind of hurt us. But we played really well in the third, and that, that definitely led us into Sunday. Funny story about the hockey house. I, I was out with some of the alumni, and they got word that I had a, a podcast, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling them about the podcast. It's about club hockey. You know, We call it the hockey house. Very proud tradition of the hockey house here at Syracuse, and that's kind of where the name comes into play for us. But they were telling me a story. They were telling me all kinds of hockey house stories from back in the day. But the best story that I got from the whole weekend was on Saturday. We did our banquet at 1 o'clock. It ran from no, it ran from noon to two o'clock, and then our game wasn't until seven thirty. So these guys were like, "Well, what the heck are we supposed to do now for a, a couple hours?" Th these guys all graduated in nineteen ninety eight, probably ten of them away from their wives and kids for the weekend, and they go, "You know, let's go check out our old house on Ackerman." So you know, they get they pull up and no one's home. So they go to the car, they open up the thirties in the back of their trunk. They just drank beers in the front lawn of their old hockey house for the afternoon. I was flabbergasted. I said, "Did anybody come out and like say anything?" And they go, "No." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, those poor like twenty year old girls were probably in their rooms, terrified of you grown men just drinking in their front yard." But it was awesome, and it, it's like the the camaraderie uh, and seeing all the alums come back. It was a great thing to to have. And and the networking opportunities, you know, as, as Glick mentioned, we're all trying to look for jobs. So when I found out a couple of these guys were advertising guys, I made sure to, to put my hat in the ring and, and chat them up. But it, it was a it was a great weekend. It was a solid weekend as a whole, I think, across the ACHA and the CHF. We're excited for this episode. I think done a lot of planning going into this 
pulling a lot on the notes this week, so we'll get right into it. To start off the show, our, our game of the week was a hit. Oklahoma State upset Oklahoma in the inaugural edition of Bedlam. Uh, the Sooners actually got the win on Friday night at Arctic Edge, a 6-3 decision over OSU. And then on Saturday afternoon, the Cowboys pulled off the upset, jumping out to a 3-0 lead over the Sooners before winning the game 5-4 in overtime from a goal from Tobias Alvagren. Alvagren and Jacob Thompson are actually going to join us later on in the show to discuss the weekend as a whole, so we won't get too deep into the Bedlam action. But, uh, Herm, your initial reaction from the weekend and just seeing how big of a success the event at the BOK Center was. I think a lot of us had Oklahoma penciled in to win. I said it in my prediction. I said Oklahoma by six. A lot of us rode off the Cowboys just because of a little bit of a rough start to the season. Amazing to not only see how they were able to pack the building, what a wild, wild celebration it was for Oklahoma State. Y'all thought I was crazy for picking them, but who's laughing now? Glick, Glick is riding the hot hand right now, and uh, people listen to the interview, but I, was, I said the same thing. I thought, you know, OU plays in a tough conference in Division One. OSU is a new program. Uh, hasn't had the greatest start to start the season, but as the boys met, well, mentioned, just gave them so much motivation going into the game all season long. They knew that this this moment was going to be huge, and they wanted to make sure they were ready for it. So it was, it was nice catching up with the guys. For our listeners, Glick just threw on his cowboy hat and tipped it at us as that explanation was going on. So he's he's really rocking with the Cowboys today. Roll Cowboys. Sorry, I'm like trying to think of a transition to get to the rankings talk here, and I'm just thinking about clicking the cowboy hat. So we'll we'll just dive into the rankings. For the first time, we have more than just men's Division One ACHA rankings. We'll talk them first, though. Uh, UNLV remains the number one spot. They did not play this weekend. They still sit at five and zero. Minot State moves up to number two after not playing. They are eight and zero. I think the the biggest news we'll drop we'll, we'll touch on it. But ASU, the number two team in the country, they got swept by U of A in the in-state rivalry the Cactus Cup. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But the, the biggest thing I got out of this, Herm, I'm sure you'll agree with it, is it's the Blue Bloods of the ACHA in, in the top six. You could probably take UNLV aside from number one, but two, Minot, three, Adrian, four, Liberty, five, UCO, six, Ohio. When you talk about the ACHA, you talk about those five programs, and, and certainly the sixth one being UNLV is getting a lot of attention these days. But um, as much as the computer rankings can be a bit wonky. I think the top six is looking pretty good right now. This makes, as Collins might describe, my elitist heart very, very happy. Yeah, like I, I think if right, am, am I wrong to say that maybe UNLV isn't there yet? I think they they've got to see some more success. Oh, and then people might point out Liberty. I feel like this is like the the Mount Rushmore of the ACHA right now is these six programs. I think that's a very very fair statement. I mean, who who's missing from from this top six? Stony Brook. Okay, yeah. See, no 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 national ring for them though. So there, I guess you can. They don't. Ha, they just don't have the hype that Liberty and, and UNLV c- get on a consistent basis. Iowa State, rest in peace. Yeah, that, I'd say that 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 would be the next one. Speaking of Stony Brook, they dropped down to 18. They got swept by Liberty over the weekend. Um, another team that fell fell very hard and and. For, for particularly no real reason, I feel like. They split with University of Victoria, who is actually a Canadian club hockey team. Uh, I was learning a little bit more about that. Uh, they got the split against Victoria, but they dropped out of the top 25. They were at number 12. And you have to think ASU losing influenced that. Uh, like the Ducks were were out of commission in ACHA action, but fell out of the top twenty five. Those are just the the notable ones. Herm, anything else that stood out to you in the in the ACHA Division One men's rankings? I think the the West was really really riding high on a lot of the WCHL being ranked so so highly within the rankings and failed to realize what would happen when the sample size of games was increased. My hot take is that by the end of the month. We are not going to see Arizona State or Utah in the top 10. I don't disagree with you. I think I think a lot of the coaches polls, I think early on, you could tell that maybe there's a little a bit of bias on the West Coast. I think we, we can agree with that. Like a lot of those teams were, were ranked pretty high here. And now as the computer size gets bigger and bigger, we'll start to see that. But UNLV and UCO still still in there in the top six. Moving on to women's division one action. No, I feel like there's really no surprise. The defending, the reigning champs, five and oh Liberty uh at number one, followed by 
Adrian College. They're looking to extinguish the flames this weekend. The Bulldogs are 8-0, sitting at number two, followed by Indiana Tech, who claims the third spot. Uh, the Warriors are 10 one one and zero on the season after an overtime win over Miami and an OT loss to the number four ranked Midland Warriors, who are ten three zero and one. Midland this week is going to take on number five Minot State in a, in a game that is certainly worth watching. And then wanted to give a shout out to Michigan, comes in at number six, uh, coached by Coach Trubiano, who was our guest last week on the show. Heading over to ACHA Men's Three, this one was a gong show. I mean, they this I think we got more DMs about this ranking than we did about the men's ranking. Herm is shaking his head on camera now. There's a lot to piece together here. Men's three, there's no coaches poll, so they just jump right into the computerized rankings. And I think you can just tell right off the bat, the sample size is just not large enough. Sacred Heart jumps out at the number one spot, is their highest ranking in program history. They are five and two. Washington University of St. Louis comes in at number two. They are six and oh. Hope College starts their quest for their title defense at number five, but there is plenty of question marks here. Uh, two teams that are are 500 in the ranking, uh, number seven, Stevens Institute of Technology, and number eight, Columbia University, two and two. Uh, and then there's plenty of below 500 teams in the ranking. University of Wisconsin, Platteville is one, two and one. Wentworth Institute of Technology sits at 16. They are one and three. And then Illinois State comes in at number 20, they are two and four. People are all up in arms about this one. I just think there's so many D3 teams, uh, so many different regions. I think it's impossible this early in the year for the computer rankings to make sense. Herm, I don't know if there's anything that stood out to you when you when you first saw the D3 rankings, but I know you fielded plenty of upset DMs. Uh, yeah, I had to field a couple of those. Just another example of early season computer rankings not necessarily reflecting the final product just needs more data for for the algorithm to to pull things correctly in my opinion yeah like you don't need a degree in data science to realize maybe releasing a rankings this early on in the year just makes no sense you might as well wait till the end of the semester at least just to get more games into the algorithm make sure it's processing and get a more accurate representation of all the teams and all the in all the divisions i agree i think uh, to play devil's advocate i think too i think it gives guys something to play for though right like even if the rankings are messed up just going into a game and knowing like all right this team is above us in the rankings like if we get the win here we can make some noise like i think that does give a little more motivation and but yeah like we mentioned like maybe just a little too early here and certainly nothing nobody should be worried about at this point in the year if, if your team's doing well and uh they're not getting rewarded in the rankings because everything will even out as we head down the stretch soon enough. We got some CHF rankings too, which is great to see. Heading first to the CHF National Division, which is the renamed D2 CHF. St. Bonaventure leads the way at number one. They are 8-0-2, followed up by Farmingdale State. Uh, they are 7-1-1. National runner-up Binghamton sits at number three. Other notable rankings have the defending champs Babson uh, at number six and undefeated 9-0 U-Tampa at number seven. Uh, U-Tampa, something that I just noticed, they seem to be the only Southern team in the top 10. Georgia sits at 18 and South Carolina sits at 19. So I, I felt like there was a little Northeast bias to start off the rankings there. Herm, I don't know if you caught that. I, I guess kind of going along with the theme of, of, of the rankings, maybe the sample size isn't quite there yet. In the CHF American Division, which is the newly renamed D3 side of things, number one, St. John Fisher College. They are 5-4-1, and one, and they are the number one team in the country, followed by Farmingdale State, who sits at 7-4. and four. Sacred Heart is 4-3-0. and oh. And then U-Tampa's B team, essentially, is 7-0, and oh, and they're sitting at 5. If you remember U-Tampa, uh, they sent two teams to nationals in the CHF last last season and both teams are off the hearts hot starts in 2022 we got a couple of dms asking why we didn't put out an american division ranking when hofstra who is 2 11 and 1 has a nine spot ranking there is clearly something flawed with the methodology going on and we wanted to make sure that things straightened themselves out so we knew even whether we were publishing a top five top 10 graphic because it just felt strange to publish like Widener is two and five and ranked 10. It makes no sense why they, I don't know, would be above a team like William and Mary, who's four and one. I don't get it. Now, I think this is something that we can, when we, when we start talking with the CHF and get to know them a little bit better, I'm interested if like cross play 
has an effect on the rankings. Like are teams from the American division playing teams in the national division? And that's why they have bad records and they're ranked high. Are they taking that into consideration? I'm not sure how that, that works because I'm, I, I don't know, but we'll have to find an answer for that. But we'll keep an eye on the CHF rankings. Like like, like we mentioned, I think it's just too early on in the year and, and we're not going to sweat it at this point. Heading to the talking points, we mentioned Oregon got the split with the University of Victoria. Uh, we did have breaking news, though. UNC Charlotte is going to host uh, an outdoor game at Truist Field versus Wake Forest. The game will be played at 7 p.m. on November 19th ahead of uh, the Charlotte Knights Light the Night Festival. The AAA baseball team has a festival in the wintertime where they turn the ballpark basically into a winter wonderland. They got ice skating. uh, They've got tubing. They've got Christmas lights everywhere. The UNC Charlotte team actually found out about the rink going up as part of the winter wonderland festivities, and they scrambled to set up a game on the NHL size sheet. There's a USPHL team in the area that's playing a game before them, so they just try to make it work. And I, I was shocked to find out that the Charlotte Knights would build a rink and then not have the checkers play an outdoor game. That seems bizarre to me, but maybe there just wasn't enough planning in advance. Glad the UNC Charlotte guys pieced it together and got an outdoor game going. So that be something to watch in the next coming weeks. Crazy enough, small world. The guys were sending me photos of the rink setup and on the boards in front of the bench, the dashboard ad reads University of Central Oklahoma Broncos spelled Bronchos, but it's pronounced Broncos the same way you pronounce the NFL's Denver Broncos with a hard K sound. I believe it's from like the early spelling of the American language had the CH making the K sound. So it's kind of a nod to history to have it spelled like that. But they do say roll chose. Anyways, the Dasher board in Charlotte, I can't make out the tiny letters above it. It definitely says University of, but it definitely says Broncos with the UCO spelling. And I think it's like it's got to be like the old Dasher boards from a couple of years ago from Arctic Edge. The Charlotte Knights must have just bought the board so they could build this winter wonderland. And uh, we were going back and forth with the DMs and they said that they would ask when they went toward the rink later this week. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. As we mentioned, University of Arizona Wildcats got the sweep over in-state rival Arizona State. Sounds like they had some huge crowds this weekend, over 4,000 people in attendance for both the Friday night and Saturday night game. I think it's cool that you know all the attention that the city of Tempe is getting for its hockey to see Tucson responding and showing them that they have college hockey too. Big win for the Wildcats that you know drops the, the Sun Devils down a bit in the rankings, and I'm sure they love that. And I'm sure ASU is going to want that back, especially after they unveiled their new gold jerseys for the weekend and uh, those two teams will meet a couple more times this year to battle out for the cactus cup and looking for notes for today's episode I, I was on the ACHA website and as always they publish the articles that um, student papers are writing about ACHA teams and one stood out to me um, the headline read Illinois hockey falls in penalty shootout to Maryville as, as if things the start of the season couldn't get any worse for Illinois. Uh, they're losing games in penalty shootouts now. Uh, the Daily Illini paper must have been listening to our last episode where we talked about the three-way soccer in the CSCHL playoffs. We got to be better than that. We can't have that on the ACHA website saying a game went to penalty shootout. Definitely a tough look for sure. We had hard-hitting journalism last week, so I, I like I think a penalty shootout is that like when the the goal, the the skater takes the puck and they get one shot from the top of the circles and the no like standing still like in soccer. No, what it is is the uh, the thing from the All Star game, the skills competition where they set up the little targets on the net. And it's like the accuracy competition. That's the penalty shootout. Got it. Got it. Just wanted to make sure we got it covered there. Chuck and Nux. We got a couple of big brawls this weekend. I don't, I don't know if you guys caught the second one. I put the link in here. The biggest one and the most notable one was between UCO and, and Colorado State. You're watching the clip. I'm not sure. I, are we categorizing? I mean, it's definitely a brawl, but I think everybody's watching the main fight. A uh, shoving match between Nico Hemming of UCO and number 22 on Colorado State turned ugly. Hemming got his gloves and helmet off. At that point, I think he thought that it was a fight because, as you can imagine, his helmet and gloves were off. And 22 on Colorado State clearly wanted nothing to do with it. Didn't get his helmet and gloves off. Thank goodness he didn't get his helmet off because... Hemming basically ragdolled him into the ice. He looked like the headless horseman. And then the other thing, while this is all happening, like the Colorado State guys are trying to third man in to help out this guy who clearly doesn't want to fight. And the refs, I mean, get these guys a contract in the NFL and get them on the offensive line. Like the protection that they gave Nico Hemming during this fight is unbelievable. Both linesmen, instead of trying to break up the fight, are like 
tackling Colorado State players so that they couldn't get involved. The dust settles. Number 23 on Colorado State jumps off the bench and he goes, fine, if the refs aren't going to let anyone on the ice fight you, I'm going to fight you. He comes off the bench, throws off his helmet and gloves. I mean, just catches an edge as soon as the first punch is thrown and gets folded up like a lawn chair uh, and was able to get the tackle on Hemming. The place is just going bananas at this point. Hemming basically wins two fights, no decision. And he's getting the crowd fired up at Arctic Edge. Just a, an absolute gong show of a clip. Herm, you, I think, were the first one of us to see it. And no one sent it to us. It was the most bizarre thing in the world. You would have thought people would sending that left and right. So here's the thing. We actually had like three people send it to us. And I just didn't notice because they all sent it to us at like three in the morning. The emails all got stacked together. When I looked, I didn't see it. That's what happened. We, we do appreciate plenty of people sending it to yeah. us the initial thoughts term though when you were watching the clip i i saw it in my car and i was like oh my gosh i had just gotten done from the alumni event and couldn't believe it if there was ever a more perfect clip for fight for your right by the beastie boys it was gonna be that one i knew that immediately the moment i played it i was like okay i don't even need to think about what audio is gonna go behind it nico hemming actually played with alex in juniors and Alex had nothing but great things to say about Nico so big props to him on the the wins in the fight Glick did you I'm sure you got a chance to see it uh first thoughts yeah I'm actually pulling it back up I mean just a crazy video I mean just I didn't even realize that the Broncos player was in both fights and he won both of them so shout out to him I mean most guys won't even win one fight in the in the ACHA so let alone two so shout out to him I mean it's just crazy crazy just display of hockey I mean I personally love fighting in hockey. I think it should be a little bit more widespread. So, I mean, I always just love seeing stuff like this. Yeah, my first thought when I saw that is I thought it was two different fights happening because I saw the Snapchat angle of it and it looked like it was two different fights. And then one, I went through and watched the game clip because I was like, what what leads to a fight like this? And it was kind of like a shoving match and a slashing fight. And that's how it all started. But yeah, the same guy fighting. Somebody quickly pointed out in the comments of that video that that wasn't the only notable brawl on Friday night with Alabama leading Western Michigan 6-3 with about 19 seconds remaining in regulation. A scrum after the whistle from an errant stick made its way in front of the Bama bench. And then as the scrum broke, kind of turned into a pushing match, a stallion player just came in and finished his check on a Bama guy. At this point, it's right in front of the Bama bench. The line change is happening. There's about eight to 10 guys on the ice from each team and just all chaos breaks loose. And I actually thought watching this one that the refs did a really good job of making sure that nothing too crazy happened here. Uh, It looked like a Bama player lost his helmet and like we got one fight but there's just so many bodies that you can't really see anything happening. Total brawl. The refs did the right thing. 19 seconds remaining in a three-goal game. They just ran the clock out. No handshake line, and they got out of there. And then I didn't get to catch any of the highlights from the game on Saturday, but I'm sure it was a a, a very physical one. Glick, did you get a chance? I, I can see you watching it now to see that one. It kind of just looks like nothing, and then all of a sudden there's just a giant scrum in front of the Bama bench. Yeah, I'm so I'm just still trying to figure out what kind of led to all that. But I mean, you definitely described perfectly as the way I'm seeing it. So you definitely should have a future in color commentary. And analyzing ACHA footage is my my sweet spot. Just throw it on the resume. Yeah, I could be like the Brendan Shanahan when he like the Department of Player Safety reviews the footage. That's maybe that's what I'll do after I graduate. I'll do that for the ACHA. Wanted to give stick taps to the guys at Boise State. Uh, They raised $40,000 for Metro Meals on Wheels. It's an annual fundraiser the guys at Boise State do, and they face off at Idaho Central Arena, home of the ECHL Steelheads. The Broncos defeated the University of Washington by a score of 6-3. to three. We've covered this, uh, I think, last year too, but we raised $2,000 for Pink the Rink, and I thought that was great. But raising $40,000 for a local cause like this and playing in front of a a packed crowd, I think, is is huge for the ACHA. And anytime you get to see two big name teams like that, Boise State and Washington, going head to head for a great cause in front of a great crowd, it is awesome to see. Two teams we already mentioned earlier on the show in the D three rankings, but wanted to give a shout out to Columbia goalie Columbia goalie Michael Cullen. He made 91 saves in a 4-1 loss to Stevens Institute of Technology. Cully faced 95 shots as a shorthanded Columbia team battled a hot Stevens of Institute 
technology. If the name Michael Cullen sounds familiar, he actually backstopped Dartmouth, uh, another ACHA Division Three team, to an appearance at Nationals last spring. He also played two seasons for Amherst College, NCAA Division Three, where he appeared in 15 games as a sophomore and posted a 1.62 goals against average with a point. 935 save percentage, which are pretty good numbers um, in a pretty tough division in NCAA Division Three. And if you're listing those schools, Amherst College, Dartmouth College, Columbia University, three schools that I could not get into. So impressive enough that that's where he's going to school. He's also making 91 saves a night. Glick, I think if you thought about saving 91 shots in a game, you'd have nightmares about it. Yeah, I don't. I think I'd probably pass out after the first 50. So I can't imagine that he got all the way up to 90 and still had a phenomenal game and is also after all that, still able to go to an Ivy League institution. So massive shout out to him. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Herm, let's let's turn it over to you. I, uh, you already gave us a hot take earlier, but I know we not stirred up controversy when we posted the the UCO video. You know, we're always trying to promote the ACHA in whatever way we can. And, you know, I think we, we were talking, but like fights just happen in hockey. Like when it's not a bad look on the ACHA, it, it happens at all levels. But we had a comment on the Instagram that kind of stood out to us. And I think you wanted to touch on it a bit. Collins got on his soapbox two weeks ago about the ECHA. We got a comment on the UCO CSU fight video. Y'all just highlight the absolute wrong aspects of the ACHA. This type of shit is why people think the ACHA is a joke. Hashtag figure it out. This is this is a coach in club hockey who follows us and, and clearly saw this come up. I want to assume that he has the best intentions and kind of just follows us passively, and this was the first thing that he saw from Hockey House in a while, and he's got a strong view against fighting at the college hockey level, which I can understand. To say verbatim, y'all just highlight the absolute wrong aspects of the ACHA hit me on a profound, profound level. That is not only the first fight video that we have posted all season, And I can't remember the last fight video that we've posted, but so many pieces of content come our way that we elect not to post in the interest of protecting the overall brand image of the ACHA and CHF. We choose to only post the best content that we get submitted. In some weeks, maybe the content isn't as great as it would be, and we just want to post something out there. But I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like it's so out of touch that that comment said that all we do is post stuff that makes the ACHA look like a joke. It was and it was just a, it was laughable at that point. Like none of us took it to heart because we just knew that that is easily not the case. And you could ask any player, any coach across the league, and I think they would disagree with that comment. And here's the thing. Everything college hockey posted a brawl from the NCAA. What, are we not allowed to do that just because it's the ACHA? Like, what's the difference, realistically? I mean, it's two college hockey teams that had a brawl, right? It's a get, It's an event that happened at a hockey game. And it was just, and it's a really, I mean, I think it's a pretty big deal when something like that happens and it's our job to kind of showcase that. Totally. That's that, that was, that's the same thing that I was thinking through in my head. Herm, I know you got another bullet point on here. I think this one's pretty funny because the DMs have just been wild about this one. Yeah. Stop fucking asking us when the men's two rankings are going to drop. We do not know either. We are not soothsayers. We are not omnipotent. We do not know when they're going to drop. We talked about the men's three. There's even more teams in ACHA men's two. Like that's why they're taking so long. They're just trying to get the computer to get enough data. It's it's one of those things. It's like people are going to complain when are the rankings coming out. And then as soon as they come out, they're going to complain that they're wrong. So like you can't have it both ways. That brings us to our guest this week. Uh, we mentioned the boys from Oklahoma State joining us. Jacob Thompson and Tobias Alvagren joining the show this week. As always, the interview is presented by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is, as always, your first year is free. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at optimexsports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. Uh, they rolled out their online store feature this week, which is huge. If teams are looking to fundraise, if you're looking to sell jerseys, looking to sell apparel, Optum Exports is the place to do it. Uh, they will not only set up your website for free, but they will allow you to have the opportunity to start making money uh, straight from your website. And they are the experts on it. So take it to Optimex Sports, and we're going to take it to our interview with Jacob Thompson and Tobias Algren. 
We're pleased to be joined by two members of the Oklahoma State Cowboys Club president and the man responsible for leading the charge to reviving OK State hockey, Jacob Thompson, alongside the man who tucked home the game winner on Saturday in Tulsa, Vice President Tobias Alvagran. Boys, welcome to the Hockey House. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, the boys are riding high, it sounds like. Phenomenal weekend for you guys. I think this is one that we had circled on our calendars from, you know, as soon as this game kind of was on the schedule, we had this one circled, considering the the relationship we had with Ethan McKinley and, and Oklahoma, and then you guys being a, a new program, we certainly had our eye on it. Jacob, we'll, we'll toss it to you. Talk about what went into this game and, and how exciting was it as a player to just see it play out and be a part of it. Yeah, so we had a contact in the BOK Center. We actually had a couple. Um, to add the um, idea, and I was like, we we really need to get a Bedlam game going because one, it would be mutually beneficial for both programs because anyone comes for anything Bedlam related. We knew it was going to be packed no matter what. Um, so I reached out to our guys at the BOK and then we started the process of you know, signing the contracts and, and doing all that stuff. Awesome that it came to a reality and it went so well because I, I mean, I think I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it was over three or 4,000 people at that game. So it was a, a great success for the first for first time ever. And we're, and we're going to keep the tradition going every single year. Yeah, Tobias, when you found out that you guys were going to have the opportunity to play Oklahoma and have Bedlam, like what was your first reaction? I was excited. Like I always like to play better teams. That's when I have the most fun because you have to play your best. It's always nice to have a challenge. Basically, a lot of the players had their doubts. They felt like playing OU was going to be very challenging and might be a little bit too soon. But that was also a very motivating factor to give it all in every practice and then just keep working hard to get better and better because we knew that like we want to perform well against OU. We're going to do everything it takes to play a good game against them. And it actually went better than I think most of us expected. I'm super stoked about all of this. Yeah, that seemed to be the common theme uh, when we were promoting the game leading up to the week. At, you know, I'm sure you guys saw the comments saying that you guys were going to get thrashed on and that it wasn't even going to be close. And even I was predicting it was going to be an OU sweep. I'll hold myself accountable for that one. The lead up to the game, like what was that like? Tobias, you mentioned like, was, are, you, are we doing this too soon? Such a young program. Jacob, walk us through like the no, like now this is this is the time to do this. Let's take advantage of this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, the, the lead up, or I guess the reason why we did it was because we're in such an untapped market because so little people know we exist right now, even though our social media accounts are, are really good and they're probably pretty high up you know, in ranking with the ASHA with, you know, like teams like Georgia or whatever. It, it was more of, I guess the mission was more of a, a kind of like a marketing play as well as, you know, we got nothing to lose. We're a D2 team playing a D1 team for Bedlam match. We, we're going to give it 100% and, you know, see where the chips fly. It was it was more of just to build both of our programs up. I think that was the, and then start a rivalry. Anything Bedlam goes in Oklahoma. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's insane the amount of support we get for a Bedlam matchup. Kind of walk us through the weekend. You guys started with, a, was it a home and home? Is that the official scheduling of it that OU hosted the first game and then you guys were the home team for the matchup at BOK? Yeah, so because OU got kicked out of their rink by the NAL team that came in. It was like the Oklahoma Warriors or whatever. So they actually, us, o, uh, UCO and uh, OU are all at our right now. So we all share the same home rink. So I was talking to their manager and I was like, well, we kind of started the BOK thing or got the ball rolling. So let's just, we'll take home for the BOK. Y'all take home for Arctic Edge and they're fine with that. And, you know, that's kind of how we decided. Yeah, because I, I feel like looking at the photos from the game, uh, there seemed to be a, a decent amount of crimson in the crowd at Arctic on Friday night, and then the stands. I mean, you would have thought that game was played in Stillwater with the amount of orange in the crowd in Tulsa. I mean, Tulsa's a, Tulsa is a Oklahoma State city, so we're actually most likely going to move uh, to Tulsa next year. The Tulsa Oilers owner is building two new rinks in Tulsa, and we're probably going to be in one of them. Like you said, you guys didn't get the result you wanted on Friday night, but I mean, you skated with them, and I, I'm sure that gave you guys the confidence going into Saturday's game. What was the morale like in the locker room before the game on Saturday, Tobias? Well, as I said, a lot of us didn't have very high expectations, so we just figured like, hey, let's just get out there and have a good time and do the best we can. We figured pretty soon that we're pretty competitive here. Even if the score didn't reflect it after the game, we were actually very happy afterwards. We felt like, hey, we actually have a chance to win this tomorrow, so this this was a great game for us. We came out with a whole new attitude the next day. With the, We had the mindset that like, hey, let's go out there and just beat them. 
And, and it clearly showed. I mean, you guys jumped out to to a three nothing lead, Jacob. I'll let you kind of elaborate that. But after you guys jump out to that lead, what is what is the morale like amongst the team? Uh, I mean, it was just crazy in the locker room. I mean, we're trying to calm everybody down. We're like, hey, you know, like score is still zero zero. Like we got twenty more minutes left, right? Anything can happen. No, but it it was just electric, and especially after that first goal that we scored. I mean, the fans were it was insane. It was just so loud in the stadium, and and it just kept progressing after each goal. But I mean, yeah, I mean the the, the locker room it was it was it was madness. So. We're, we're trying to call everybody and be like, hey, guys, like, we got 20 more minutes. Like, you know, give it all you got. Block shots. Take the body. Do whatever you need to. Like, we got to secure this this win here. And, like, in, in any rivalry, as big as a lead can get, it can – certainly disappear and, and the game ends up going to overtime how do you control your emotions in a game like that you guys can both answer this if you'd like but you know in a, in a game like that against a rival the crowd is heavily in your favor and you have the lead and it disappears how do you kind of rein it in heading into overtime i didn't feel like my confidence confidence dropped i felt more like i was pissed off like i'm furious like we almost had this and now we might actually lose so i just that that anger and rage just gave me a lot of energy to go out there and uh, get this game for us basically so i, I turned the anger into uh, focus and energy basically yeah we're we're i mean i kind of like going off what you said I, I think we're all more pissed than we were you know our morale was low I, I don't think our morale was that low i think we we're like okay we can do this we waited all this you know we made it this far already we didn't agree with a couple of the calls towards the end of the game it happens it's hockey we're just like okay well you know we can only control what we can control so let's go in overtime and and, and, and finish it so that's kind of what we're that's what that was our mentality and then of course I'm, I'm sure most people listening to this have seen the video of the goal tobias you get kind of a loose puck and, and it's a two-on-one walk us through what happened there and what you saw heading towards the net well i just figured that okay the puck is loose i just gotta escape my ass off and get over there and move up to the side and give my uh, second guy space because i knew we we're two-on-one there uh and I, I was actually trying to pass him but it didn't really go my way so it's it went in between the goalie's legs instead, so it worked out for the better there. Their defender did a good job with blocking my lane. Like, he threw himself down and put a stick out there, so there wasn't much else for me to do than either try to just, like, swipe it in or pass my uh, my player there. And then for Jacob, you know, considering everything that you've gone through in the last two years to, to get this program to where it was, what was your reaction as soon as you saw the puck go in the net? Oh, I mean, I was in complete shock. And I, I like, I sat, I was like standing there for like two seconds that even like comprehend it. And then I was like, oh crap, we like, we literally just won. I hopped the bench and skated my ass over there to join the pile. No, it was, it was insane. I was just, I was so happy because it kind of, to me, it meant the survival of our program. Like now, like we are, we know we're going to make it, you know, to a level like OU or UCO where we can be there in 20 years, um, you know, and, and the program's still going strong. I think that's kind of what it, it represented to me that win yeah it was awesome to watch not only was the video great the photos of you guys coming off the ice and the fans giving the high fives and everybody in orange i can only imagine what, what the scene was like when you guys got back to campus on saturday night we kind of got back a little late because we were staying there for the oilers game but we you know we uh we definitely celebrated that night pretty hard. Some people were bummed that we lost the football game, you know, because uh, so, you know, our, our team's in a rebuilding stage right now for football, but hockey they're happy about. So it was a good time. You guys are a hockey school now. You don't have to worry about football anymore. Uh, that's right. All right. So now we, we've kind of covered Bedlam. Let's dive into to how you guys got to Oklahoma State here. Walk us through, Jacob. Why don't you start kind of your background in hockey growing up and then what led you to attending Oklahoma State? So I played travel hockey in Texas my whole life. I played for the McKinney North Stars. Originally, my goal was to go to West Point, hopefully play you know hockey there, maybe for ACHA or whatever. Uh, I was pretty close. Uh, my entire goal is to be an officer in the Army. So I was looking to, for schools based on ROTC because I was going to get a, the Army was paying for my college. And uh, I chose Oklahoma State because I like their program, like their campus. And I realized, I was like, man, they, they don't have a hockey team here. Like, damn, that sucks. So I went the whole freshman year without playing hockey. It was kind of funny because the year, the, the summer after my freshman year, I was doing an open skate and I met the Baylor vice president. And he was like, yeah, we were, you know, we just created this team. Like the stars were calling us about potentially getting a rink in Waco like you should start when I always do and I was like nah like like really like that's insane and, and I was just thinking on it more and I was like you know what like you know I mean oh you and UCL have one like why can't we do one that's kind of where the inspiration to start it came from and but yeah so we basically I started the the social media Barstool o, OSU shout, shout them out same with Old Row OSU they helped it blow up so we could actually get a team together for a first year and that's kind of how I got organized at the start that's awesome considering you know you you played hockey growing up you ended up at, at OSU and just were 
you know, after freshman year decided, Hey, let's do this. And we can kind of dive into, you know, the, how Baylor did it too. But Tobias, I want to hear your story. Like, how did you end up at Oklahoma state? Okay. So I had no plans at all to go to OSU. It was uh, very random actually. So to begin with, I'm, I'm originally from Sweden. I played hockey from six to 16 and I'm also an older student. So I didn't start college until I was like 25, but I had an uncle in Tulsa. So I moved to Tulsa and went to community college there for two years. And then I transferred to a school in California. Very quickly, I figured like, this is not the place for me. It was in the LA area. I did not like living there. So I dropped out and tried to get, get into a business program. I was originally in a film editing program, but did not like that either. But they wouldn't let me enroll. So I just Googled schools that have open enrollment. OSU just happened to be one of the best schools for open enrollment. So I figured, hell, got my classes from TCC. It should be easy to transfer. So I went back to uh, Tulsa, finished my uh, associate in business. And then I actually started going to Stick and Pucks and happened to meet one of the players on the team. And he told me that they just started a hockey team. And I was like, hmm, that sounds like fun. I started playing men's league to get back in shape. Eventually in the spring semester, uh, when I started taking classes at OSU, I came to practice and the rest is history, basically. Wild journey that both of you have had to not only just be teammates, but to have, that we have OSU hockey now. Jacob, walk us through like when you first started doing this, I want to give a shout out to Baylor Vice President Blake Bonner. He came on the podcast, episode 34. He kind of walked us through what Baylor went through. That first conversation with him where you were like, well, maybe we uh, we can get a team. Like, where did you go? Did you research anything? Did the, When was the last time OSU had hockey? What kind of like procedures did you start going through? Yeah, so it actually took me like a month to act on it. I was just kind of just just chilling, just you know, working over the summer, and and then I, I you know, I just kept it was kind of in the back of my head, and I was like, I'm gonna regret if I don't do this. So I actually didn't know OSU had a hockey team at all. I didn't do any research with that. I just assumed they didn't. I I knew like there was club sports, and that's probably what we would have to be. So I like I contacted the competitive sports office at OSU and got in contact with like someone high up there that's like in charge of all the clubs. And he he basically was like. Okay, you gotta you know be a club or an organization on campus first, and then you have to be a sports club. So there's like a two-step process. So it took like two months to complete because of all like the paperwork, and then you had to go to these meetings, and they had to approve it, and they're just kind of you know I, it it just took a while to complete. But that was the process. It was basically just kind of learning on the fly because I didn't know anything, and and they would just just keep telling me like, okay, you need to do this, this, and this, and go find this person and, and stuff like that. So it was a lot of like running around and, and being a little hectic. But eventually, kind of we all got we got a system going, and, and it worked out in the end. At what point did you start recruiting players? Like once you did you fill out the paperwork and get that all handled, and then you started looking for players? No, so I actually did it over the summer uh, in like July because I wanted to make sure I was like okay i want to make sure that we actually have enough players for a team before i even go through all this hassle to start because i i knew there's probably going to be some hockey players in tulsa or not tulsa oklahoma state because of texas and, and maybe some of the surrounding states but i didn't know how many uh, but once i got past 20 and had one or two goalies i was like okay we can we're, we're good to go so i i made the decision to get the players first and then start going through the paperwork that's awesome and so at that point did you guys go looking for like a coach? Were you talking with the ACHA? What what avenues did you go through to kind of finalize things so that you guys could officially start playing when the season started? Yeah, I got in contact with the ACHA rep for D2 and, and he was extremely helpful. And um, he was kind of walking us through the process. We, we had to be an independent team our first year because you can't join a conference your first year in the ACHA. And yeah, and as regards with the coach, so I mean, I knew a million coaches in Texas. So if we we're in a Texas school, I'd, I would have no problem getting one. But in Oklahoma, I knew nothing. And I didn't know at the time that uh, my players, some of my players knew a lot of coaches too. So I, I didn't know that. So it was funny, like our, our original coach, he DM'd the Instagram and, you know, kind of sent his resume. And at the time I was like, well, we don't have one yet. And the season's like really close to starting. So I was like, okay, like, he played hockey in um, Rhode Island, and I was like, okay, I mean, you know, why not? First year, like, and he, he was really good for a first year, and then we actually ended up getting two new coaches this year, um, which helped out a lot, too. That's awesome. Um, walk us through your first, like, well, what was your welcome to the ACHA moment? It's what we always ask our guests when they come on. Like, people see NCAA college hockey on TV, Division One you know, division three, and then the ACHA is kind of its own beast. What I'm sure you you've seen it all kind of through starting the team, but like, what was your welcome to the ACHA moment once the season started? So our first game series, I was in, um, I think it was in November. It was because we started late because we had to go through this whole process. And it, ironically, it was against Baylor. So we had to, since we had to schedule,
schedule after UCO, you know, they got all the primetime games. So our first game was at like 10 p.m. at night. Or no, it was at 10.30 p.m. at night at Arctic Edge. And the fans, you know, it's an hour drive from Stillwater Edge. But uh, I guess the, the welcome to the ACHA moment when I when I knew like we had something here was when we had like three or 400 people, like students and stuff like that, show up for a 10.30 p.m. night game when it, it didn't even end until like 2 a.m. in the morning or like 1.30 in the morning. And they all stayed through the entire thing. Like It, it was crazy. I would have never thought we would have gotten anything like that for a first game so that, that was just kind of like a positive memory where I'm, I'm really thankful for like the OSU community and how they're supporting us and, and everything like that and Tobias when you started playing in the spring what was your kind of first memory with with the team and your you know the first couple games that you played first reaction was just like wow they actually have a coach since they were so new it was just going to be, be like a playing coach and wouldn't be very organized I, I was just very impressed by how uh, well put together everything was and uh, everyone just loved to be there we have a varied skill range on the team but everyone just works their ass off all the time so i was very impressed by the team spirit they had it built such a strong team spirit in a very short time and it was great to join it and become a part of it now jacob as as kind of the head of this whole operation did you have any say in, in the jersey designs was that something that you were looking forward to in the process or did somebody else design those so yeah, I actually yeah, I actually was the one who kind of designed the jerseys with the with the jersey company. I wanted to base it off the stars, like their uh, black and, and neon green jersey, because I know OSU is moving towards like a neon orange. I thought it would just look sick, like black and neon orange. For the white jersey, I kind of let that up to the jersey company, so we used X jerseys, and, and it just turned out awesome with like the Pokes logo in the middle and, and how everything looked. Yeah, our, our jerseys have been selling like wildfire. I mean, we probably sold 500 easily so far no way that's insane something like that like everyone everyone it's just like no one's seen it before on campus and everybody just wants one it's it's insane so the goal is to try next year depending on uh the funding we can get try to get a a orange third alternative jersey and that that's what we're planning right now now that you mentioned it because i think a lot of guys listening to this will be curious when you say you've sold over 500 jerseys do you guys do a jersey sale is there a link on your website where people are constantly buying jerseys do you have to like notify X jerseys every time somebody buys one? How does that process work? Um, so the way we do it is X jerseys. So I'll basically kind of text them and I'll be like, hey, like, you know, a lot of people are requesting jerseys. So let's open the store up for two weeks. So we'll kind of do it in cycles. So every few months we'll open the store up and do it in cycles. And then also this season, we just started selling them in game also. So now fans don't have to wait the, you know, two months it takes to get to get a hockey jersey. Um, so the kind of those are the two avenues where, where we're selling our merchandise right now. Uh, since we all we have jerseys like on hand, if there's not an open sale, they can always DM us on social media and we can arrange something if they don't want to wait for the store to open again. That's awesome, too, because I know so many teams, uh, you know, here, even at, at here in Syracuse. Like we're, we're always getting DMS of people asking us for jerseys and, you know, it's such a a hassle with club sports to get like approved to be, you know, sell stuff and it's got to have the right logos. You know, Jacob, did you go through any of that or was, was OSU pretty open to having the, the school logos on the jerseys and everything? Yeah, so since we're, you know, affiliated with the university, they were we could use the logos, but we had to pay a royalty every time we sell something like that. The licensed guy I always use awesome. So I, I he responds really quickly and I work with him all the time. So yeah, just the jersey company and the school would sign this like licensing agreement where, you know, they would pay a royalty on every jersey sold and so we, we weren't really in that process that much, but they, they were really nice about us using the logos cause, and um, everything like that. There wasn't really any, any issues with that aspect. And I know an, another thing that you guys, you mentioned sharing Arctic Edge, was that always kind of the, the the option for you guys to skate at? Were there any other rinks that you guys explored playing at? Well, there you know, OU's old rink was, we were looking at that too, but it only had one sheet of ice and Arctic Edge had two. Um, so we just thought Arctic Edge would be way more open for us to do it and it it was so that's why we chose them now with like the new rigs being built in tulsa and um everything like that it just makes more sense now for us to move there because tulsa is in oklahoma state city and and we'll have a rink to ourselves basically because you know our edge will always be uco's rink so we'll be kind of living in the background there so yeah and i know you mentioned kind of being like the, the the second fiddle to uco uh, I noticed that you guys have your own locker room, though, which is pretty cool. Walk us through what that process was like, kind of designing the locker room and, and getting the orange and black paint in there and setting up the stalls. Um, yeah, so it was actually the old, there was a, used to be a Null 3 team, and they got sold last year, so we got their locker room. But yeah, so our actually our, our old um, GM and, and old uh, 
equipment manager did the whole room for us actually uh so we're really thankful about that they they did all the painting i mean we helped a little bit but they were like the designers and and had the vision and everything like that, but it turned out really well. Yeah, it, it looks great. And, you know, considering the setup I've seen OU has um, at Arctic Edge, because they were kind of ended up stuck there for game days, I, I I think it looks unreal. UCO's locker room is twice the size and it's insane. I've been in there. It is actually crazy how, how, how nice it is. And, uh, you know, OU actually, uh, their locker room isn't, isn't too bad either. Cause I know, you know, they, everything that happened with them sucked. I mean, the, the whole story with how like their locker room got taken from them at, at the old rink and everything like that from the Null team and, and stuff like that. So I felt really bad for them. I'm glad everything worked out and they have their own room and everything like that at the rink. So yeah, hopefully, you know, with, with all the publicity that Bedlam is getting, that maybe it, it grows the game more in Oakland. Oklahoma and and I'm sure it is be, you know just seeing the numbers that the videos and the photos have done on social media I'm sure for you guys that that's pretty rewarding Tobias you know talking about you know growing up in Sweden and now you're playing college hockey in college hockey in Oklahoma what is it like you know playing in kind of a, a non-traditional hockey market the thing is that Oklahoma doesn't really feel like a non-traditional hockey market because fans here are super passionate about hockey like I, I was very surprised by how many people showed up and the passion they show like it's very exciting to play here in Oklahoma actually I, I can't really say what it's like to play in a non-traditional hockey market because it feels like a hockey market here honestly looking at the photos it, it looks like a wild environment to play in it's crazy too because like on the east coast through this podcast we're always trying to promote the acha the best we can and sometimes there's ncaa teams that can't draw fan support and it just feels like it's some of these big time power five schools people are just so passionate about the university like the people of stillwater and, and you mentioned tulsa they love osu it feels like no matter what the sport is people are going to come out in orange and black jacob do you guys feel the same way that like as soon as this team started like you guys knew you were going to have the fan support yeah i mean osu has some of the best fans in the country i mean they're all they're all so passionate about anything osu related it's like nothing i've ever seen before really so especially kind of like i said after that first game at baylor i was like man this is gonna be an awesome ride because we're gonna have the support we need to because it's just it's awesome when you're seeing a sea of orange in, in the stands uh, for games it's just it's great oklahoma state is is probably the most tight-knit community or sports fan community out there i mean i would put money on it because it's just it's crazy so they've been a huge help and, and we I, i'd like to say on the podcast you know thank you for all your support and i hope you keep coming to the games because they're the reason why we do this really obviously we love hockey but we want to you know make it a great environment for them too so you mentioned uh i'm curious you know what went into the decision to be acha division two is that what a decision that you made did you look at teams geographically near you guys for travel were you considering division three at all what was that process like when i was starting a team i didn't really know much about the acha so like I didn't know like how different the divisions were. From what I've heard at the time, uh, they're like you know D two and D three isn't that much of a difference. So I was like, okay, I mean we'll just we'll be D two, and it turned out working out for us because every team in Texas is basically D two except for like one or two. It geographically it worked out really well. It just, it just made our drives easier because most of the time when we travel we go to Dallas, so it's only a three and a half four hour drive. I mean it, also we'd be going to Austin and and, and College Station, and Louisiana for ETBU, but that those are like the farthest drives, like six hours, which is not terrible so geographically it made the most sense i'll let you each kind of answer this question but of the teams that you guys play aside from ou who who are like the, some of your favorite teams that you guys get the opportunity to play against so last year we played etbu's d3 team two times and we won three of those games and lost one uh but this year we lost both of our games against their d2 team and we just have a very nice rivalry with them i feel like so i would love for us to uh get the playoffs and get a chance to play them again because I definitely want a rematch with them. Yeah, they're a pretty, pretty solid program at the Division Two level as well. What about you, Jacob? Who's a team on, on your schedule you look forward to playing? Uh, Well, yeah, the first one was definitely ETBU because we got a new bench going brawl with them last year. I don't know if you've seen the video. It did go kind of viral. It was it was fun. Yeah, so that was that kind of just started a rivalry. That was mainly with their D3 team. So now since we you know joined the TCHC conference, we'd only be playing their D2 team, but it still kind of carried over. Because uh, I think the same coach or whatever game I'm looking forward to the most besides OU was um, UT because there's always been a OSU and UT football rivalry so I just kind of was assuming it would carry over to hockey too. I'm checking out. Is it on the Instagram at the end of the game when the when the 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 guy in the OSU jersey's doing this to the ETBU guy? Is that the bench clearing brawl? Yeah, he so he was like it was one of like their bigger guys and, and he was like trying to do start shit with like our small like one of the smallest guys on our team. So like once the buzzer rang, I, I mean I, I'm gonna be honest, I kind of started it. I like hopped the bench and, and shoved him away, and then it kind of calmed down. Their guy sucker punched one of our guys, and then it just 
erupted again and it was it was it was a good time not only was it fun we got like a thousand plus followers from that video like it was insane so it kind of worked out it was a win it was, it was definitely a win it was fun too so did you get an email from like club sports the next day like check it in on you guys nothing really happened after that it was kind of one of our last games of the season and it just kind of it was just just happened that's pretty much it wow that's that's insane and i'm sure you guys saw the video of uco from this weekend too like that was another yeah. in, insane brawl at, at arctic edge yeah i wish i, I wish we stayed for that because that would have been insane to watch honestly my opinion you know hot take i think there should be fighting in college hockey but that's just me so yeah i think i i think i think a lot of guys in the league would agree with that based on a lot of the the recent takes we've seen kind of walk us through the rest of the season like what's the rest of the year look like i know this win against ou's got to be huge for team morale what games are you looking forward to you know now that you're in a conference like what does the the season outlook look like from here yeah so we have about six more conference games left so if we win out which we can i think we can do uh we'll make playoffs playoffs are in early february and then we also have um a couple expedition series against unt and jury so that's kind of like the layout of the rest of our season we'll, we'll end in in late february um so we, we have around 12 to 14 more games left so i mean our, our goal is to win out we're looking our the morale is good and, and we're looking that you know we're, we're looking like we can we can do it so that's kind of that's kind of the landscape we're looking at right now and Tobias, for you, moving, you know, huge goal. Are you looking at the same thing? Like the playoffs is the goal for this team? Oh, definitely. Now that we've uh, beat OU, we feel like the sky's the limit here, at least for this season. Yeah, I would like to win the rest of our games this season. And Jacob, for you, you know, moving forward, I'm assuming next year will be your senior year, correct? So w- where does the program go from here? Like now that you have this bedlam tradition, I'm assuming BOK is probably signed on for next year after seeing the highlights from this one. Like, what are the goals for this program moving forward? There's there's a couple. So one is the, so the Tulsa Oilers are, are wanting to partner with us. So uh, we're going to have a meeting and hopefully we you know become partners with them and, and get in the new ranks. So that, that's the first goal is to move our operations to Tulsa. Yeah, and the second goal is obviously to keep the BOK tra- tradition alive. Third goal is is to um, recruit good enough to where in a couple years we can join UCO and OU um, at the D1 level. That, that's, that's the whole goal goal because i mean geographically it makes sense too because i mean they're right there um so we would just hopefully hop in and end our conference um but those are kind of our, our three goals you know moving to d1 might not happen when i'm in college but i'll be you know keeping in touch with the presidents or the next presidents and, and the coaches and everything when i'm off in the army doing something so um yeah but those are those are the three goals that i see right now well i definitely think you guys are well on your way at this point before we go i'd love if you guys have any shout outs you want to give to the maybe the guys or the coaches or the fans listening i'll give you that opportunity now to Bias, you can you can kickstart it. Well, I just wanted to thank our uh, coaches for this season, uh, Derek Smith and uh, Tyler Schultz, because they've really pushed us to the limit every practice we've had since they came on board. At one point, I was standing in the shower and just started crying just because I was so exhausted. They were bag skating us so much. So I've really reached my limit, like emotionally, physically, mentally, and it's just been great. I've been, I've loved having them on board. So thank you very much for that. And we couldn't have won this game against OU and the BOK without them. So thanks for uh, pushing us to our very limit every day. Evidently, they're clearly doing something right based on the results you guys have had this year. Uh, and, and Jacob, why don't, why don't you wrap it up for us? Yeah, I mean, I just want to give a shout out to all the players because I mean, this wouldn't be possible without them. So you know, it, it, it's definitely hard when you're driving an hour to practice and from practice. So your your whole night's gone. So they are sacrificing a lot, you know, grades a little bit too and, and stuff like that. So I, I wanted to say thank you to all the players and definitely the second, the fans. I mean, they would, none of this would be possible also without the fans, you know, showing support and, and, and cheering us on and everything like that. So, I mean, I think that that's the two big reasons why this program's a success. I appreciate you boys taking the uh, the time to, to hang out with us for, for an episode. Good luck at practice tomorrow night and making the trek up to Arctic Edge. And uh, we wish you guys best of luck the rest of the way this year. Once again, thank you to Jacob and Tobias for joining the show. Awesome hearing how much that program has grown in the last couple of years and the success that they saw this past weekend. We wish them nothing but the best of luck the rest of the way this season. ACHA Burgers blowout of the week at the Division One ACHA level. Michigan Dearborn beating Rochester 15 to one. In D2, we had Bridgewater State defeating Eastern Connecticut State 13 to nothing. If you saw the clip from that one, it was on our Instagram. And then another 13 goal margin saw ETBU defeat Texas State 14 to one in men's division three ACHA Northern Arizona defeated Western Colorado by a score of 11 to two 
in women's action. Adrian defeated Davenport 17 to nothing. Herm, I know you had some some inside information from Alex on this one. Why don't you kind of walk us through it? Well, you're not even getting to the second score, which is the day that I got inside information on Alex. Yes, the second game, of course, uh, the next day, Adrian defeated the Davenport Panthers 20 to nothing. Uh, on Friday night, it was 20 to nothing. Thursday was 17 nothing, but the shots on goal on Friday were 75 to four. In CHF action, Georgia beat Kennesaw State 14 to nothing, and the Citadel beat the Mil- Virginia Military Institute by a score of 28 to one lots of burgers around for everybody this week certainly some scores that are reminiscent of the microwavable burger at class of 23 arena and games to watch friday night syracuse orange we're heading to villanova for an 845 puck drop is this the first hockey house game right like well i guess glick and glick and collins have faced off against each other right but first time i've i'm a part of a hockey house game as, as Syracuse travels to Nova on Friday night. Uh, then on Saturday, we have Adrian's Division II team taking on DePaul. Sticking with Adrian on Friday night, they play Niagara in Division I ACHA action. Adrian sits at number three, Niagara at number 21. On Friday night, we have UCO taking on Arizona State at Arctic Edge, a top 10 matchup out west. UCO is pretty hot right now, and Arizona coming off their first two losses, or their, their third and fourth losses of the season looking for redemption in the rankings uh number six ohio takes on number 13 Pitt on friday night two teams that are bound for nationals and ou out for revenge uh pitt has had the the bobcats number recently and then on saturday we have number 15 saginaw valley state taking on central michigan in a battle in acha d3 death valley is going to be rocking for this one love seeing the photos from saginaw valley state they've been packing the barn lately on friday night adrian's women's team is taking on liberty we talked about this one earlier in the show this will be a battle of the undefeateds number one and number two in women's acha hockey facing off at arrington on friday night the number one team in men's division three acha faces off against the number four team uh sacred heart versus saint thomas aquinas college at sportorama and then on saturday we have NC State taking on Liberty in ACHA Division II action at the Wake Competition Center. It is the battle for the Wagon Wheel Trophy. Uh, we saw this one handed out last year. It was decided in a shootout, so we'll be looking forward to this this year. Um, in CHF action, Liberty's CHF team is taking on Coastal Carolina. Uh, this is an ACCHL rivalry and a rematch of the last ACC championship games and major implications for the conference standings this year, plus the future CHF rankings as we hinted at earlier in the show and then friday night missouri state's division three team is taking on maryville in a highly anticipated matchup between two rivals from missouri oh herm saturday night we got a matchup in the chf between penn state harrisburg and the university of delaware and it looks like we received one of the best dms of all time for why this should be a game to watch this week see this is what i love to see i know that the submissions on the story do not give you enough characters for anything like this. And I'm so glad that I included like, yeah, just DM us your pitch because we actually got a really, really good one. And this is from Cam Moore DMing. So you guys might actually see this game of the week. PSU Harrisburg versus Udell two best teams in the DVCHC. And y'all will see Wednesday when the rankings come out. We are business this year. Listen to an older pod before the season started where a cuts down kid said they'd run the league. Too funny, we beat them 6-3 to last weekend and put up 40 shots in their home barn. Two laughing crying emojis at Penn State Harrisburg Hockey has also been waiting patiently for a follow back, but we're used to not getting any love. Broken heart emoji. Hashtag Berg Puck. All caps. Buy in now while the stock is still low because on Wednesday it's going to the moon. I mean, that's how you get to the game of the watch. Like people are wondering, like where? When is my team going to be featured? Like send us a DM like that, and we'll do whatever we can to make sure your team gets featured. And then on, on Saturday night in ACHA Division Two action, UMass Amherst takes on Florida Gulf Coast um, in the UMass Showcase. Two of the top teams in ACHA Division Two, which brings us to the game of the week. It's the CHF. We have South Carolina facing off against Clemson at the Plex. It's the Palmetto Cup, baby. No secret. I'm wearing the shirt tonight. Go Gamecocks. Spurs up, baby. I was thinking about this one because I think a lot of the times when when we pick our teams, uh, we, we definitely have our favorites 
and and teams that we like to cover. I know more people. I have more friends at, at South Carolina than I do at Clemson. Clemson is also an ACC rival for Syracuse, and I say rival in quotations because they beat up they beat up on us in football. But I I, I just can't root for Clemson. I, I I like South Carolina. I like the colors. I like the mascot. It's hard to pick against the Gamecocks, especially when they're at home at the Plex. Uh, so I'm riding with them. Glick, what about you? It is so hard to pick anyone else other than Cog Hockey. I mean, we talked about the Mount Rushmore of the ACHA when it comes to like just the top teams. But if we were to make a Mount Rushmore of the top of the top teams to play for, I would say Cog Hockey because it just seems like one of the best teams and the the most fun you can ever have in college hockey. And it's just so hard not to pick them for this. They're just an absolutely electric team. Herm, um, you've experienced. Uh, what it's like to be to be at the Plex? Uh, does that factor in your decision for this weekend? Speaking of the Plex, we go from the Nexus Center being the brightest rink I've ever shot in to the Plex being probably the darkest rink I've ever shot in. But that doesn't stop me from picking cock hockey by an absolute billion goals in this game. It's gonna be rocking. That place is a zoo i can't even imagine what it's like for for clemson going in i would give major props to the clemson social media team if they photoshopped the college game day set and all of us picking against clemson we have the ranking graphic coming out on friday and we're going to tag clemson so we're going to get they don't even need to photoshop it i'm going to make it probably tonight so uh, I, I need the, the 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 best is when like the college football teams they 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 screenshot it the before the game day and it's like when you're when your team gets picked like that you're just like oh oh I know it's a lock now because Murphy's law what what, what can go wrong will go wrong but looking forward to that matchup at the Plex brings us to the question of the week interested in what you guys had to see I haven't really even picked yet so I'm gonna have to go on the fly here but imagine you're on a road trip at the bus stops at the rest stop you can buy three snacks slash drinks from the convenience store what are you getting herm you already have your answer locked in so we'll throw it over to you first i mean this is this is an easy easy answer you gotta you gotta hit the the three essentials when it comes to a rest stop snack you go for hydration you go for something chewy and you go for something crunchy so the hydration is a white gatorade easy safe pick mango slices filling enjoyable just delicious bugles crunchy you play with them on your fingers it's a fun time you can't go wrong with any of those. Those are solid picks. That's how I was thinking about planning this, the, the three major categories. Glick, do you have your picks locked in or do you want me to go? No, I got them locked in so I can go next. Um, I love sugar, so my two picks would be Hasbro gummy bears and Skittles. And as far as a drink, just because of my first two choices being so unhealthy, I'm just going to have to go with just a plain bottle of water just to kind of balance it out. Kind of like when you get a Diet Coke with a Big Mac. What flavor of Skittles? I think this is the the determining factor here. Ooh, that's a tough one because they're all so good. I'd have to say either Wild Berry or the original because you really can't go wrong with the original flavors. Well, now I feel silly for going last because I have one from each of your categories. I'm going White Gatorade, Haraburo Gummy Bears, and then uh, Combos as my salty snack is what I'm going with. So White Gatorade was a lock for me. Haraburo Gummy Bears were a lock. I was just thinking, you know, what which salty snack, but can't go wrong with combos. My dad would always get combos when I was a kid, so I think I just grew up. You know, like when your dad, you're driving and he he reaches his hand back. My dad was always reaching his hand back for the combos in the back seat. That's what I'm going with for my my convenience store snack. If you're listening to this and your team stops at the rest stop, send us a picture of of your three go-tos. I, I'd like to see what guys come up with this week while they're on the road. Uh, before we go, wanted to make sure we mentioned Adrian's Division Two ACHA team is looking for games the weekend of January 28th and January 29th. It'll be a 9.45 slot on the 28th and a 4 p.m. slot on the 29th. Also, we are looking for a Game of the Week sponsor. So if you have a company out there and you want to look for a place to advertise, we are always looking to advertise on our game of the week slot. Uh, you can be the new presenting sponsor of that. And if you would like, if you're interested in it, want to get some pricing on it, feel free to shoot us a DM and we can start working on, on something. If you are trying to break into the club hockey market, there is no other post that you can sponsor and get your brand on that will have more eyes for your product or service than the game of the week. People are chomping at the bit to see it when it comes out every single week. And we know it's done 
a whole host of favors for Optimex for having their branding in association with us, your business could be doing the same. That brings us to the end of the episode. Safe travels to everyone hitting the road this weekend. Best of luck in everyone's games, and, and we'll hear from you guys next week. See you, boys. Yeah.